Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Okay, everybody, welcome tonight to the program. Tonight is our Baruch Hashem, our 27th year of vendor. And we're very excited tonight. Again, I want to thank everybody for coming every week. We come every Sunday night at 10 o'clock. And everybody that comes on, people have been texting it around and what's up and letting people know about it. We really appreciate it. Obviously, the more people know about it, the more chizik we can give to, you know, Claudius Roll and help people in, in these type of vinyanam. Again, I first I want to thank all the, all the advertising sponsors that, you know, that sponsor our program, you know, for the advertising part. We have every week here the Lakewood Scoop always pushes our program here for the Lakewood Oilam. I want to thank Chazak, Rabbi Yanif, always helping us and being supportive. And I'd like to thank uh, COL Live, Mrs. Nika Sofer, for always promoting us. And a special thank you to Chayla Kaufman and Shmuel Summer from JCN, the Jewish Content Network, for always promoting us across all the digital platforms. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to have also an amazing program. We're having Reverend Svi Gluck. He's the founder of Amudim, which is uh, it's going to be a very mature topic. We're going to be talking about a lot of uh, things that, you know, that, that are happening now uh, with the addictions. And um, every, it should be in a really amazing program, whether you're going through some of these issues or not. It's still... Knowledge is power, and that's he's an amazing person. I got to know him, and uh, I, I really, I'm really, really encouraging everybody to please come, and it's gonna be something special. Let's start off with our host, Coach Menachem. Opening words. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rabbi Bender. I want to welcome everyone to show number 27, Bar Hashem. Um, welcome everyone to Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem, and I hope everyone is okay wherever you are with health after last week's show. I hope you're carrying around a mask with you so you can uh, respect and protect when you go out in public. Tonight we have with us the privilege to have Rabbi Bender. The truth is I personally feel privileged. Rabbi Bender is a person who doesn't have an extra minute. Mamish, no time and he, we couldn't even talk to him before the show. Maybe he gave us a 60 seconds. And we're going to have him tonight. Tonight is, is uh, your time to ask the questions. So thank you very much for giving us, giving up from your precious time for our Hoshiva audience. So tonight's topic is about Chinuch. And I'm sure you know. So we called it Only Two Emotions Matter in Chinuch. And everybody got to think of what exactly what that means. But when you're talking about emotions, it's something that comes into Chinuch a lot, and especially parents are more emotionally involved. And that's why it's good to hear from the Rosh Hashanah, from the Manal, to see how much should the parents do, how much up to the Moisit. When you talk about Chinuch, there are two types of people. One type is, I think, how can I, how can I be Machanach, my child? What can we do better? And then there are people when they hear the, the ideas that we discuss and how the right way of Chinuch, they start thinking, was I Machanach that way? They start thinking, did my parents give me that Chinuch? Did I get it from my parents? So before we start talking about Chinuch, I think it's very important to understand that wherever you are now, exactly where you are is the place where you need to be with all the experiences and whatever chinuch you got. And now as an adult, we're being mechanach our kids. 
but not to look back as, oh, I didn't get this kind of, if I would have been in a different setting because we know we're exactly where we're supposed to be. And our kids are exactly where they're supposed to be with these parents, with which, whichever home they're being brought up. So hopefully tonight, we will get some clarity and you'll be able to ask your questions and we'll be able to hear from Rabbi Bender, which has years and years of experience. And I think from the, all, all spectrums, from Allah Zaytan, Kanai Nahara. So thank you very much for being with us. And hopefully there'll be a big siyata de Shmaya and Tayelis. Thank you, Coach Menachem, for opening up. Again, uh, tonight, I'm going to learn, we're going to do the illness my father-in-law. Tobi Baruch Yosef, the Neshama. And everybody's coming on, the hundreds of people that Shem Rabbi Bender will be here tonight. The chizik you're going to give and the advice. Should be a for him and Matchem. This will be recorded and we'll send out the video. And the thousands of people that watch it should be in the Shama. Again, I just want to give a little background before we start that uh, Rabenda obviously is, you know, very, very well known in Chinuch and, you know, really helping for younger kids. We had a few programs with difficult teenagers. We have we had a program with Rabbi Elephant with with Mobachrib in the Masifta in, in Base Medish and Israel. We had like those types of programs. We got a tremendous amount of requests, you know, raising younger children in elementary, high school. And we had Menachem. I don't know how many emails did we get, non-stop emails. We kept on updating some of the questions. We kept on getting more and more, but uh, there's a tremendous amount of questions. Rabbi Bender's time is limited. So everybody here, we want it to be interactive. Rabbi Bender's gonna open up for 10, 15 minutes to start up, but let's, I want Rabbi Bender wants, and I want people to ask live questions. Uh, we have a tremendous amount of, we can keep Rabbi Bender here to three o'clock in the morning. So uh, that's just my, with my pre-questions. So uh, Rabbi Bender, the floor is yours. Okay, thank you for having me. First of all, don't believe any, everything you just heard. It's a lot of PR. It's garnished, Rabbi. It's all garnished. Anyways, um, I want to say, I want to add on Lilo Nishmas. I've heard that my father tonight, my father, 55 years ago, I was a young bucker, and my father was nifted suddenly of a heart attack. That maybe shaped a lot of my own feelings about the same, same race, maybe because of that. I'm trying to work with them a little bit. Could be, Kenzai, I'm not sure myself, but I went through my own tkufas. I went through a very hard tkufa learning for Delphi Yeshiva. And um, and suddenly, Shmuel Kamenetsky wakes me up in the morning, 55 years ago today, at 7, 6.30 in the morning, he wakes me up. You got to go to New York, your father is sick. And him and Rebelli is inside of Bracha, he brought Lachayim Reb Shmuel, accompanied me to New York, they were Yudid and Mahuvim with my father, and accompanied me to New York to my father's Leviah. They didn't tell me, they told me he was sick, so I watched film that day. But et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it brings back memories. But my father was a Veltz Bechanach. He was way ahead of his times. In other words, the things were said before, why was the Chilich in my days? That's, that's, that's not even to talk about. Chilich today is wonderful. I believe that. You know, why I wasn't like that today? I got beat up. We got, we got beaten up blue rabbi side. Um, I, I was rather not a bad kid and they beat up that much, but there was one rabbi that I learned in that everybody had to line up the first day. Everybody had to put their hand down on, on the desk. And the rabbi had a big Zinta ruler and he gave everybody a zet with the ruler. And he told everybody, if you don't behave, it'll be a lot worse than this. This was the Baruch Hab of the Rebbe to the class. Imagine, imagine today you have bands of music playing. Today you have, you have the Rebbe's giving out candies and toys and prizes and culture. In those days, a lot of them were Holocaust survivors. You can't blame them. Nebrezza mentioned a lot of them. The Shlomazel became a Rebbe. Today, becoming being a Rebbe is, is, is a big thing. People vie for jobs. For every job that opens up in Yeshiva, there's 10 people applying. So you're getting the best of the best. But you as the parent have to advocate for your child. You have to. I want to tell you story. When I became a Nal, I was 30 years old. Of uh, the Dachitera, a very tiny shoe that was really falling down, 100 kids, and uh, they were trying to learn to give their stuff now. And it didn't work out so well, but it was difficult, difficult, difficult. 
And I went around from Pesach till the summer, I visited 20 yeshivas. The idea is what it's like to be on Holo, because I had been a Rebbe only that one year before. I became a Manal in the middle of the year for the coming year. So I didn't really have experience. I went seeing Manal. The one thing I heard from all the Manal was parents, they're crazy. Parents are crazy. I can tell you now, 40 years later, parents are very normal. They're very healthy. The difference is they're talking about their child. And they know what's wrong with their child. And they come in to tell the Rebbe. And the Rebbe is not talking about their child. The Rebbe is talking about all the kids in his class. The Rebbe is right. He has 25 kids in his class. He can't make 25 individual sets of rules for 25 kids. But the parent is right. I want my kid to do better. Nothing wrong with that. You have to advocate for your child. So I think most time holders today, principal's doors are open. And you can talk to them and you can get to hold of the Rebbe. You can talk to them. I think most of them want to help today. So I think that's one thing. There's nothing wrong. And everybody here understanding you are allowed and you should advocate for your child. He's your child or your daughter. I'm talking, when I talk about boys, it's because that's my business. But of course, it goes for girls also. You have to advocate for your child. Nothing wrong with it. And I think that's fine. Chinuch. I think Chinuch today, I want to tell you a nice story about my father because I can't imagine in those days, I just told you, like, Dhamma. I want to tell you a story. You know, the Chinuchim today would do that. Um, I, I called it a very shiver call on the phone to somebody who lives in my neighborhood. He's a difficult person. He's tickled muscle, he snitches, he's, uh, he gets people in trouble. If they build a little extension on the house, not getting a permit, he'll in trouble. I decided, you know, let me try to break the ice with him. And he hates, he hates the people in our community. Right? I live in a very beautiful community. I have a block of Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbanim. People are really, really wonderful. And this fellow made trouble. It's like he was sitting shiver for his father. He was sitting shiver in Toronto. So I called him up on the phone. And he said, and I said to him, he was like shocked. I was calling him, like, because those people didn't talk to him. And I was like, he said, you know, I'll tell you something, Rabbi Bender. My brother's sitting next to me, and he was a Talmud of your father, in Tarabadas. So I said, wonderful. You want to speak to you? want to tell you a story. He told me a story that till forever, when you do a good Zach, Rabbi Say, help to Evishta. I did a good Zach. I called this person. He could have screamed at me, yelled at me, he called me, Haredim, he calls me Haredi, Haredi, Haredi. He could have called me names. Not a bad name to be called, rather. But, anyways, you know what? I came away with a story that I understood my father much better. There was a kid, this was the time, this was the, the 1950s. He says he was from a Hasidic background, but I mean, the parents only wanted their kids to go to college, weren't interested in anything else, but they went back to the Rebbe. So this kid, he says to me on the phone, I turned by mitzvah. And I want, my father wanted I should go to the Skvera Rebbe Muncie, the last, the free thing Skvera Rebbe, put on film over there, but the Skvera Rebbe is a rule. The rule is, you have to take a bald haircut, only the pays, and that's it. This kid had a triple look, and Mashikasa, like all of us had in those days. You see the pictures of Shemus in Europe? Come on. They had, and had a big triple and his father says, we're going to shave it all off. I said, no. And he said, yes. And you know what? I said, no. He said, yes. And no, and yes, no, and yes. And at the end, you know what happened? My father won. He took me by force. He shaved off my whole head. I went to the square Rev. I can kill less. He says to me that at that point, today's fine today. He says, I kill less, but I was so angry. I came to Yeshiva, and the kids all see me, and they go, hi, Baldy, Baldy. I, I came with a baseball hat, I put on my head, cover, I was like this, and I started crying. And, you know, kids can be very mean. Things, and that way, things don't change. Kids can be very mean. And they're all making fun of me, in front of me, and they're making fun of me. I'm crying in the corner by the door, and your father walks into the hallway. In those days, they were afraid of them now. They went scanning, they ran away. My father, he says, my father, your father saw me. He says, ah, I use the Chaim, come into my office. His Chaim went to his office. His Chaim cooled down, stopped crying. I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story. He said, he took me out to his side of the desk and he put me right here next to me. I, my, to go on the other side of the desk in those days, impossible. 
put me right here. And he turns to he turns to me and says to me, I know what happened, Chaim. You have to go to the Rebbe. You have to take a haircut, right? He says, yeah. Look at me. I'm bald. He says, my father took off his yarmulke like this. He went like this. He says, look at me. He says, Chaim, look at me. What do you see? See, this Chaim says, he started giggling and laughing. I see Rabbi Bender that, God, say it, Rabbi Bender said to him. Say it. You're bald. I said, so are you. There's one big difference, he told him. Mine is never growing back. Yours is growing back. Changed my life. My life changed at that point. I said, oh, I'm walking out there. I'm going to tell those boys where they can get off, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. End of the story, Friday and I said, but babe, today, I like that. Babe, do today? We had COVID now. I wish she was closed for three months. We were closed. It, it was in Rebbe's came to the houses delivering sheets and delivering booklets for Shabbos. Today's Rebbe's are wonderful. That doesn't mean you can't talk to them. You can simply talk to them. Rebbe's today are really, really wonderful people. And so are you as parents. It's hard. The, the sad part is, it is the most difficult kufa to raise children since I'm in the business. I can tell you that. Technology has destroyed learning to a large degree. We're on technology right now. You would think, well, hey, I'm talking about technology, and we're on technology. Zoom, I think, was very helpful. I don't know if all machlekes last year. Yeah, no, Zoom, no. I'll tell you that. Some people just changed their minds now. Um, I don't understand what was wrong with Zoom, but I'm not going to go through that machlekes right now. Lamai said, save the learning. We, we were really learning the shiurahs from after Pesach till the summer. It went very well. But technology, where a kid can go on and do whatever he wants, Rahman al-Islam. This is one area you can't compromise with your kids. You have to find an Eitzah, how to get around the situation with your kids. You really cannot compromise with your children on that. But overall, you have wonderful rebellion. That's my Akdama. Now we can talk, you can scream and yell, whatever you want to say tonight, because I have a problem. But you have to go in with the essence that most, I would say 80 to 90% of rebellion and teachers and moras are wonderful. Work with them. Even if it means coming up to them telling them, Rebbe make mistakes. They can make a mistake. Rebbe will give a pot sometimes. It's not a crime. Okay, you people want to get a Rebbe arrested today if you hit somebody. Hey, come back to my, my, my days in yeshiva. I have a cousin, did not learn the yeshiva that I learned in, whose brothers are all very hush of family. I'm, I'm, there's 345 people on here right now. It's looked at the bottom. I'm telling you, 300 of you know the name of this family. One of them you don't know because he went to certain yeshiva. And his words to me, I used to go learn Mishnah in his office. Very wealthy man, went off to Derech, of course. He says, my Rebbe in the fourth grade bugged me. I came home and I told my parents, I'm not going back to yeshiva. In those days, he didn't go back to school. It was the late 1940s. He was much older than me. He says, late 1940s, and he says, he didn't go back to school. They arrested you as a truant. You weren't allowed to be. Today, they arrest three quarters of the world. But they arrested him as a truant. So he went to public school and he married Shiksa, second marriage. So it's, that was bad in those days. Today, Rebbe can make a mistake. It's not the end of the world. But the Rebbeim are wonderful. So advocate for them. Rebbeim will work with you. They're wonderful. Pay them well, the Rebbeim. Pay them well. We don't pay them enough. That's the problem. We pay them enough so they could just, not too much, so they can be able to take all the government programs. That's our goal in the yeshiva world today. To pay them not too much, pay them. Pay them so they can apply for food stamps and for and for uh, whatever, whatever is Medicaid and Medic Alagutazachim. Come on, pay them $150,000 a year. You won't have to get online and lie about his income. Come on, let him come on. Take care of him. Okay, I'm off. Rabashu takes over. Yes, okay. Rabbi, Rabbi Bender, that, that was unbelievable. That was a great opening. Um, the Oilam is once to attack you, so we're going to do it slow, okay? Can you, can you handle it tonight? I can try. Okay, let's start off with Paul. I'll give you a two minute break if you want to take a break. No, I'm all right. 
okay, we'll we're, gonna, we're gonna ask them questions and I want everybody to, to answer it. It's, 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 it's um, anonymous, so let's, let's get into it. First question, how is your relationship currently with your child? Four, four choices, very, very good slash close, moody relationship has ups and downs. Choice number three, mostly negative, or choice number four, I have no relationship with my child. That's the first question. Second child, do you have chinuch questions that you have been wanting to ask but haven't? Yes, no, or C, I'm not sure. So two questions. Everybody, please vote anonymously. anonymously. Nobody knows the answers. Nobody could see it. Right, Ben, you could see the answers now. Nobody else could see it until I share it. So I'm just letting you know. It's very interesting to see. Okay, how very good. Happens. Okay, let's go, everybody. How close is your relationship with your child? Wait five seconds. Five, four, three, two. Okay, here we go. Okay, so the number one answer, Rabbi Bender, is most people, 55% of people on tonight's share feel their relationship with the child is very good and they're very close with them. 37% of people feel their, their relationship with the child is moody up and down. A very small percentage, 4% to 3%, mostly negative in our relationship. So you have a very, uh, seems like a very positive crowd over here tonight. Second question, this is why you're here. I, think, yeah, I wouldn't call it positive if 37% are moody with their kids. It's 55% are doing what's normal. 37 and the four and the three need help. Okay. Okay. And the second question, which is, this is why you're here tonight. Do you have a chinuch question that you've been wanting to ask, but haven't? 48% of people here have a chinuch question they have, they have, they, have, they want to ask, but they haven't asked. That's the reason why we asked the question. Rabbi Ben is here. So all those people that answer that, now is the time to ask it. 26% of people say no. They came in just to say hello to us. And the 26% are just not sure. They're just confused. So just interesting to see. Okay, we have a bunch of questions. I'll start with that. Again, anybody wants to ask a live question, they go first. So please text me, Usher Barnas, on the chat. And we'll put it through to Rabbi Bender. Ask live. Rabbi Bender wants live questions. And we'll start off with some, some, with some questions that we got already. Rabbi Bender, let's go. First question, there's a boy, there's, there is one boy in, my, in my, my son's class that his parents get him all the gadgets that he wants. He's very up-to-date clothing. He's a snazzy, sticky kid. He pulls down the whole rookness of the class. What is the right approach to deal with this with my kid? I think you have to worry about your kid, but the other hand, I don't know, I can tell you here, I don't know of any one single kid because he wears snazzy clothes, he brings down the rookness of this. Maybe in your head he does. I don't believe that he does. I believe that the kids know what's right and wrong. Let's pick a fourth grader today. We'll pick younger kids today, fourth grader. You think the 25 kids in the class and one kid, by being getting everything he gets, brings down the class? If he curses, if he uses Neville Pair, if he brings in pictures that are nice, he puts a kid on an internet that he shouldn't be on, that's ruining the class. The kid comes and dressed, the kids are the other 24 kids are dressing appropriately. Why should you worry about it? Sometimes we get jealous. So we, we use other Chinese. This kid has all the money in the world, and the kid comes home and says, it's not fair. Why does that kid have and I don't have? That's another one, you know, together. That's a jealousy in you that a kid could have. But I don't for a second believe if there's 25 kids in the class, even two children, every class is going to have one or two kids that don't act appropriately. You have to hope that your biggest problem is that they dress too fancy or they get too many toys. That's you hope is the biggest problem. Like I said before, there are much bigger problems. So if your kid says, well, why should he have it? You, you, know, you tell your child because that's what their parents decided to do. We don't believe in that derech. We have our derech. And if you give your child all the love in the world, Rabbi said, I don't want to sound like cliche-ish, but there's nothing wrong with spoiling kids a little bit. Take your kid and give him attention and make your kid feel that he loves you. 55% is not enough of an answer to the question we asked before. What's your relationship with your child? It should be excellent all around. 
it means By the way, doesn't even, I don't give my each question, but don't even think for a minute that you can't one give one kid more attention than the others. Your own siblings, the siblings will understand. Don't worry about it. 24 kids and one kid, stop worrying about it. Not your problem, unless you're jealous. How about the Rebbe's point of view? If the Rebbe in the class yeah. is having a hard time because one boy brings in different topics or clothing or topics. Like clothing is not an issue. That was the answer to the issue. If he brings in stuff in the class hmm. that brings the class down, the kid can't stay in the class. Rabbi Leif Steinman, Steinman once told me not to throw out any kid from yeshiva, right? Because I asked the one, but what if a kid is in Mafria? You hear it's other kids. Is that after the ganze yeshiva? Yeah, the kid is a mafria. This is what Ron Levy answered me. But on the other hand, you don't have to keep him in the classroom. If a kid is bringing in stuff, can't be there. He goes out of the class. There's no way you're allowed to keep a child in the class if he brings in things that bring other children down. The man has to work with it. He calls in the parents, keeps them out of the class. Whatever you do, whatever each school has their own different disciplines, right? But it's, the hardest problem is disciplining. It's very, very difficult. But if a kid brings down others, he can't be in the classroom. I'm sorry. How about conversations? If one kid brings up elections or baseball? No, or... come on. Elections, halavai, they talk about elections. <laughs> halavai, they talk about baseball. You know, we're talking about worse things. I'm not, I'm not encouraging becoming a baseball fan. By the way, it's the biggest problem today by some people's minds. I get the calls. I'm not trying to come Lakewood. You know, I divide up my calls at night. I come home 10, 11 o'clock from a chasana, right? I divide, so Lakewood, I call 1230, I call them back, because Lakewood stays up till 2 o'clock in the morning. You can call people back in Lakewood very, very late. It's not a problem. Anyways, people are worrying shrekluch about the problem that kids are becoming sports fans. This is the biggest problem today. If your kid is already a sports fan, you can't stop him. He's, he's bought in somehow, not because other kids, because maybe because you were a sports fan. There are plenty of fathers out there that still take a peek to know the scores. And kids pick up on it. You know, there are plenty of kids like that that do that. Well, there are older Bachram that are doing that for sure. And they pick up on it. You make time limits on the kid. He's, he's sneaking, they're listening to ball games, right? Half hour, two nights a week or something. Don't fight him completely because once a kid is a sports fan, you're not changing a 10-year-old overnight. You're not going to. It's just not going to work. Can you stop a kid from being a sports fan? You can try. Okay, when, when he's third grade when it starts, fourth grade, you got you can try very, very hard. You have to know why it's happening. I'm only, you're the guilty one. You know, the parent is the guilty one. I can't say why is it that? But once he's a fan, he's a fan already. But then you find and the ball. That's the class. best thing. Coach Menachem, you should know that if a kid goes ahead and conversations are about hmm, that's, you got a problem. That's, you can't keep, that's why you choose yeshivas for your kids. Uh, because you don't want your kid being in a place where he's exposed to stuff that's schmutzig. That's your problem. But Halavai, they talk about the elections. You know how many kids who didn't know that Trump was running against uh, Biden? Who didn't know? Well, come on, who are we kidding? And they all know about it because we were talking about it. And in the back of the shul, we were talking about it. So we talked about they had to talk about it. But so Halavai to talk about elections. But parents shouldn't panic. Parents shouldn't panic. We were kids. So they're chasing Atzol ambulances, right? Another Atzol is a big talk. No, Hashem. Atzol is a big problem. You don't want your kid to become Atzol and Dafka. He should be breathing on the old man's and I was giving up. You want to be a fireman or a policeman? Yeah, it's all a man. Don't panic. Normal kids are normal. They're not holding it by learning. Right, Vanda, you, you are all a man, right, Vanda? Years ago, Hashem, you know, years ago, I helped start it for Rockwell and and, and, uh, and Flatbush. But you know, I, I don't know if I started it. Gang and uh, moved on, Hashem. But it's a wonderful. I'm not taking the organization. It's it's halfway of a fella. But people complain that kids chasing out all day long. No, what do you want to chase? Girls. Pardon me. He's not chasing girls, but he had to make a bracha of Shema Malchus. He's right, only that, chasing that solar ambulance. 
Brenda, I just want to, I want to cut short because a lot of people are texting. I literally got like 32 questions, 35 questions in the last minute. So again, anybody wants to ask a live question, before you write the question, right, you want to ask a live so we can go first because there's so many questions coming in. You brought up the topic. I'm going to go into it a little bit, Rabbi Bender. Um, somebody wrote it, but you can answer if you want to. Do you, after all years experience being a chinef, can you tell the parents the difference of a kid being raised in a house where there's no TV, no video games, no outside distractions versus a kid that's raised with all these things? Of no course. Way. Of course, okay. Okay. Of course. absolutely yes, absolutely yes. Um, TVs today are not an issue, I think, in most places, because you have a computer to go with the TV. Computer, so people say, I don't have a television, Shkayach. Maybe you don't need a television, you have a computer today. But if you let your kids be exposed to anything on computers, you got a problem. I said before, technology is destroying us. When I was a kid, everybody had TVs. I grew up in Williamsburg, everybody had TVs. Right? That's what it was, I grew up in Williamsburg, not Williamsburg, stays Williamsburg. Different it was after the war, a whole different world. And TV, you know who had TVs, those who had TVs. The only way you can get around it is strict time limits. My father's a colonel of Brooklyn, allowed all of us to watch TV one hour a week. And he was a very clogger mensch, my father, because he knew if he wouldn't, if he knew if he wouldn't, we're going to find our own way to get on the television. And we would have. I'm afraid to tell you which today's Rosh Shivas watched baseball together with me. I'm afraid to say the names. They're big names today, all over. But we limits. We got an hour a week, and my father was very smart. All of my father's friends of Mira Island from Shanghai, they all allowed us for an hour a week, an hour and a half a week, and I did that to my kids when they were young, very young, because that time for Raqqa was different for Raqqa today, but Hashem was not a big issue. Don't, you, you, you're raising your kid in the area like that, you're raising him. Don't get crazy, everybody say, vanish for sugar. But this but question is about... But this question is about a boy, 11-year-old, needs yes, motivation. One, thing, one, one yes. more thing I want to add, and it's not a question, one more thing. My children were young. I want to tell you this, Clark, they were not allowed to go to certain homes on Sundays, whatever, because the kids knew why. We, we didn't tell them why. It was TVs all over the place. Today, it's computers. I don't tell my children, don't let your children go to houses who have unfiltered or access to computers. You have a right to tell it to your kid. I'm the guy's a nice guy, right? But I'm telling you, tell your kid you can't go to that house because they have things we can't let you have. Good, Coach Menachem, I'm sorry. 11-year-old that needs motivation to learn and not really interested. And now it's a crucial time because he needs to go to Masifta. How do we structure the transition to Masifta? And Bechlal, how do we motivate a boy that's not interested? You got it. The only way you can really motivate, 11-year-old is still far away from 11-year-old is sixth grader. Okay, 12-year-old is 7th grader, 13-year-old is 8th grader, finishing ninth, finishing 8th will be 14. That's the, today's pretty much the kids. The only way they can motivate is make it enjoyable for him. You can't do it in a way that you're making it tough on him. Contests and things as such. Uh, don't force your kid to learn with you, because I would say close to 80% of kids can't stand learning with their fathers, because their fathers are trying to make them what they weren't, and they know that the kids. You can't do that. Don't make them learn. Get an outsider to learn. Get a big brother for him. Get an outsider Take him to Gishmak Azach and there's a shtibul near me or a cat's shtibul in my neighborhood. The whole world is coming to learn there. The kids are coming at night to learn there. Sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders. They have to learn their own mechanics already. Why are they coming there? Because there's candy, there's, there's junk over there where parents don't give to their kids. You got to make it exciting for a kid to want to learn. If a kid enjoys learning on his own, there's 20-30% like that who enjoy learning on their own. It's a bracha from Shemayim, but the other ones just need a little bit exciting for them. Make it very exciting for them. You got to make it exciting Ideas once a week, maybe you should give them, you know, take them out. Fathers should connect with their kids, reward their kids, take them out to eat once in a while. You got to use them in the right way. If father takes out his kid, eat. next week takes another kid out to eat. 
As one's walking that, riding down the street on Central Avenue in our neighborhood, Rebson Yeager was walking, Rebson Aftali Yeager, uh, was, was walking one of her, her girls. The dark area on the way towards Cedar, that's where the shopping is. I stopped my car, I said, Rebson, I feel bad, you're walking over here. She says, no, 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 no. She called me the next day. She says, Rabbi Ben, I apologize. I didn't answer you the whole answer. Once a week, once a week, I take one of my kids out, she said to me. It's a wonderful thing. So find ways of making it kishmak, a kitchen know if I learned well, my father will take me out somewhere, something of that nature. And Gotta make it enjoyable. Don't fight your kids. Rabbi Bento, during the COVID, there was the guy, I don't know if you're familiar, the guy used to have that thing at night on Zoom with the Bachram, like Nights at America, he had like almost 2,000 boys learning there. You saw, you saw that? Terrific. I spoke for them once, yeah. Yeah, he made it. 1,500 kids. Very entertaining. I watched it once. I was very blown away. He made it kishmak. He made it kishmak. That is making it kishmak for kids. Yep. Ramam says give him sugar. Everybody knows that the Ramam says he's allowed to hit a kid. Alavice in this. He says give him sugar, give him candies, give him junk. The mothers today will cuckoo some of them. They go crazy about soda and candies. Slow down, relax. The kids will not become diabetic. Don't worry about it. And our kids never who have juvenile diabetes. The kids will not become diabetic. Relax. But the, the mothers go crazy with kids. The rabbis take you out a lot of candies and ash. Relax, relax, nothing will happen. And I don't really don't believe that I don't believe that those who eat sugar get cavities. That's not for now. I think if you have genetically bad teeth, the good thing is not to do with candy. But go ahead, let's go right. Okay. Okay, this is a controversial question, but we're getting quite a few of like this. I'm going to ask it in a roundabout, more holistic. We always raise our kids. I mean, we try to raise our kids always to do the right thing, always to listen to what's right, what's wrong, right? Very, well, Emma's like I mentioned, now with everything that's been going on, and I'm not talking about your specific issue, but a general moisture's with the COVID, opening, not opening, yeah, under the table, under, what, what, what do we feel? The question is, is that the right way to teach our kids that at certain times we don't listen or roundabout types of ways, which is like sort of showing them that we don't have to be- Very, very, very good question. We all, as Han Hollis, we all had this problem this year. And um, generally speaking, you should never lie. Lying is the worst thing. Lying, kids will learn how to lie, learn how to cheat and steal. So lying is a very big thing to give you kids. But this year we had a problem. So you have to find an answer to explain to your kids that we believe maybe the government is doing things that are really not so helpful to us Eden. And therefore we're doing things, um, is it a good idea to hang up signs in the well, building? learning with, uh, with the dreidel. Yeah, but you can't. I don't think the comparison is a fair comparison. Like people said that today, uh, there's mamish, no different. It's smart. It's smart. We had a governor that has difficult rules, Governor Cuomo, right? You think Shmadu's idea is certainly not. I, I don't believe it for a second. It's Irish guy. You can't compare it to, but for us, it is smart if kids stop learning. Rabbi say there are kids now that are off the derech. I spoke to Malkiel for a long time about this, you know. They're like, off the derech because they were on the streets for too long. So for us, kids have to hear, we had to find every way of getting our kids back into yeshivas, because if not, it's going to hurt kids. Kids in Kriya, I made now a new curriculum now in yeshiva. I told them in Alam, the younger divisions, you must spend 15, 20 minutes every day on Kriya in grades one, two, and three, because kids forgot how to read. And that's a problem. So kids should know, we felt that we had to do something to get you back into yeshiva, even though it doesn't sound so kosher. Kids can understand that, but um, that's a decision that had to be made. There was a major conversation. David Feinstein of Racha. There was a major conversation of Rashivas of Teremisera called Vadrashivas of Teremisera, and it's supposed to be on that conversation. And there was a major machlekes amongst the Rashi Shiva. Some said, "Don't close the Shivas, no matter what." Rabbi for example, for one, he screamed, "You have to close the Shivas." And and he's and, and, and it was a very tough conversation. At one point, the head of Teremisera, Benayitz. He asked Rabbi Feinstein, he asked him a question. He says to him, do you think, what do you hold? What is your opinion on this? He said, unfortunately, I can't give an opinion. He was so, he wasn't sure. 
and he wouldn't say an opinion. I'd be sure that was the godless of David. But we had these shilas, Rosh Hashivas on the phone together. We were working on these shilas for a very long time. What do we do here? Do we close? Do we not close? It's not easy. The kids could know that. Kids could know there's a deal. The deal is, yeah, no, no, yeah, it's not so pushy. Next question is from a principal. Uh, he know he 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 knows that he's a teacher that has a personality clash with a Talmud, and it's not going down the right direction. The teacher is aware of the problem, but doesn't uh, is having a hard time. How do we navigate the Rebbe with this Talmud? Yeah. So one thing I say is that is that you know it's a tough question. The Manal that he's speaking to me, he's right. By us in Shiva, the rule is if it doesn't go, we have eight parallel classes per level. So we move the kid around. We take the kid out. Is it easy it's to clashy. move around? Yeah, why not? Why not? It's pastish from there. His friends. It's pastish. No, no, the kids don't mind. The kids are so big, they want to get out of the Rebbe they hate. And my machzich, a kid is not getting along with a Rebbe, with a teacher. So we move them. We don't move them for one, for both. And that's where the fights are. Mothers will say, I only want to move the morning. Lady, this is not Grand Central Station. You can't take a train. This train in the morning, this train in the afternoon. If you're moving, you're moving. But we find that works. But if not, I used to go over to Rebbe when I was in Manal, I'm a much higher position today. After bad bother that anymore, I'm laughing. So, um, so now, 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 now I'm a glorified fundraiser. But anyways, so, so when I used to tell the Rebbe, the seventh grade, especially that's the age. The kids get cuckoo in the seventh grade. They're bloody puberty, whatever happens in that age, they're a little bit crazy. Rebbe hates me. Rebbe's picking on me. I tell the kids he's not. I go over to Rebbe. I say, kid, Rebbe. Rebchayim, the kid says you're picking on him. I'm not picking on him. I'm not picking on him. Slow down. I said the kid thinks you're picking on him. All you gotta do is take your right hand, stretch out, do something nice. The kid should say, but I am not, 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 not picking on him. Slow down. What would you tell him was your son? You would tell him, tell the Rebbe, just reach out to the kid. I think you have to try to stop the machloki. So the principle that asked that question is, if the Rebbe or the teacher, whoever it is, would reach out to the child. The problem will disappear most of the time, really. But some rebbeim are so, and, and teachers are so entrenched, they can't budge. If this kid said a chutz bigger thing to me, and you never said a chutz thing to your father, to your mother, come on. I'll give you, I can write a book on what I used when I was chutz when I was a kid, right? I wasn't a bad kid, I can still write a book on it, because we did that. So tell the rebbe and tell the teacher principal, reach out. Reach out to the child, give him an arm around the shoulder, take him out for a walk. Do something with him that maybe you'll see Nishka for Allah. So those are the two things. If you move kids around, move them if you have to, but the end, if you have no choice. The other thing is tell the Rebbe and the teacher to try to end their fight. Don't expect the kid to change. Kids are not going to change. Hey, Rebbe, are you ready for a live question? Why not? All right, let's do it. Hello, you're on. Hello? Yes, hi, Rabbi Bender. First of all, thank you very much for giving of your time tonight. I have always respected your opinion. Thank so you. I agree with you. My son's Rebbe is fantastic. My son's Rebbeim are across the board really very, very good. My problem is with English. English in my son's school is an absolute disaster. Um, you know, in, in our city, it's quite famously known as the zoo, which it really is. Now with Corona, my son is seventh grade. Um, so in seventh grade, they did have one very good English teacher, but he's not coming to school because he's afraid of catching Corona. And they've replaced it him with somebody who I would mildly say is emotionally unhealthy. So it's really a disaster. And a lot of parents have been calling myself or my husband to let us know that our son is 
being harassed and picked on by the teacher. And this goes on day after day. We've called the Minal. There's about four different Minalim to contact. We've contacted all of them. Um, we're at the point where my son comes home every day so frustrated and in pain from what he's experiencing. And um, the whole class, you know, listening to how the teacher talks to them, and they're not really learning. It's, ju- it's really just very sad. So my question to you is, what am I allowed to do in order to protect my kid? At this point, I really feel, and I see that the Hanhala, they're not firing the teacher. They're not going in there and, and correcting the situation. What am I allowed to do in order to protect my child? Okay, so first of all, I obviously can't solve the whole world's problems. It's not shy of this problem when I can't solve. I can't do it. There's nothing I can do about it. But um, I would tell you that rather than leaving, I would take my kid home for the rest of the year and homeschool him for English. You can't leave your kid in a massive of Kairos and wildness. We think she's being picked on. You can't leave him there the whole year. I maybe you're not home. Maybe you're working. You're teaching. That's most Yiddish families today. My kids are no, no. Days. So I, I did try to do that, and the Hanhala was furious. Um, one parent actually dismissed her son every day, and the Hanhala came down very hard and said, "If you take your kid out, you take your kid out of our school." Like yeah, for the whole day. Terribly unfair. They're wrong, Hanhala. They're taking it personally. I'm sorry. I, actually, he is. Well, well, there's there's a relationship here between the English principal and the main principal. It is a problem. Yes, but I can't help I, That's I can't why, like, my, my husband would like to go. My husband would like to go to the school and just say to the English teacher, "I hear you're harassing my child, and if you continue to do this, you will have to have face dire consequences with me." Um, and I feel like then my husband's bullying the bully. But my husband says there's not many options right now. That option is certainly not good. I mean, uh, the option of going in and bullying the bully is not a good idea. Um, but I, I can't answer the issue. I, I, I'm disappointed in Hollow. Not Hollow knows what's going on. They should not force a kid to be in school then. I have the school might stay home. It's too bad. But um, you can't let a kid be suffer like the consequences. You just said the words you used was that the teacher is emotionally not, not stable, whatever the word was, correct? Yeah, that's what you said. Is that what you said? Yeah, she's muted. She's muted. Yeah, that's what she said. She's muted. Okay, you know, come on, come on. You know, you can't get, you can't keep your kid in a class like that. It's not fair. Now, I can't, I can't. I feel bad. I can't help you. Move to Farakaway. I know we're we're a bummy neighborhood, and we, we we try to help kids like that. I know we're bad bad people. We have a solid English department, by the way. Um, my I have a chaver Zevi Trank. He's a manal of of of, of Alma Sifta. He's, he did nefesh. My Zevi Trank sent his kids to a certain sheep when we were growing up. We lived together in Brooklyn, um, and um, the chutzpah was so bad in secular studies, he took them out of secular studies every day, and he hired a teacher for his kids. And his kids are the most nicest kids in the world today. He didn't want his kids to learn chutzpah. Now, the problem you have, you know, I feel bad for you, you're muted now. I feel bad for you. Yeah, I'll mute her if you want. Yes, okay, your, your, your hanhal is not letting you. Uh, your hanhal is not letting you do it. They're being, they, they're being childish, what can I tell you? Tell us the secret in Darche that you have such a good program, English program. I don't, Maybe other we, schools we, can we learn. Pay, the secret we pay a lot of money for teachers. We pay teachers well. All Kamat, every teacher is from. Few of them are not. Kamat, um, every single teacher is from. Yeah, talking about after you have eight teachers per level, it's huge. It's a factory, you know what I mean? So um, we pay a lot of money for a teacher. If you pay nothing, you will get nothing. Remember that also we go with women teachers through fifth grade. Sometimes I asked Rebelli Shrey how far I can go with women teachers. He said I can go with the Evan till sixth grade if I didn't have to. Because I couldn't find teachers. So we pay them very, very well. If you pay a teacher $35,000, you're 
two and a half hours of work, you're going to get a good teacher. You pay a teacher fourteen thousand dollars, you're not going to get a good teacher. You're going to get emotionally unstable people, and that's a problem you have. You have to pay them well. I don't think we have a greatest problem better than anybody else. But the local, you have a teacher. If a boy is a mechutzif in secular studies, we had a meeting last week in high school. A boy in the tenth grade opened his mouth to a teacher. He was suspended the next day for the kaidish. Also, I had once a parent, Zayer, from a parent who came and gave all the kindness to me on that. He says, my kid was chutzpah to his teacher. He started speaking about Zionism. The teacher was speaking about Zionism. So he opened the mouth to his teacher because I teach that Zionism is bad. I said, thank you very much. We're teaching him the chutzpah is good. So you have a problem. But he was very angry that we suspended him in the morning also. It's wrong. You're not going to have a good department if you don't suspend him. You have to do something. No. You said that, that story type. Somebody told me that Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky uh, expelled the boy from Yeshiva because he was chutzpah in English, even though he was an Aleph Metzuyan in Hebrew. Rebellious Shvei canceled, I believe, I don't, say was, I don't know 100% for sure, canceled the summer vacation for an entire class because it was cheating on the, on the, on the final one year. They had to all come back during Ben Azman, month of Av, and learn secular studies. Rebellious Shvei, and Rebellious Shvei certainly was an Erlich Yid. Hey, we have a lot of questions coming in, a lot of different topics. Can we try to cover some more? You ready? Now, whatever you want here, no problem. Okay, okay. This, is, this is going down the interesting stuff over here. Obviously, raising parents is uh, raising healthy kids is by you know we had this rabbi. Let's say we need eighteen, sixteen more people to get five hundred people. That'd be very nice. How much yeah, you get normally? The night's young. The night's young. People are still oh, I see. Yeah, we're gonna go up. is coming off. Okay, very good. Um. So as Rabbi El, I'm just gonna uh, you know move on for Rabbi Elfin. The, the the crux of Rabbi Elfin's share for healthy children was always having a stable home, having a loving home. That's his know. big thing. He's right, Rabbi Elfin. His big thing is a stable home. They belong. So the question that we're going to have to, that a lot of people ask me this question after this year, what do you do when you're in a situation like Rabbi Bender, when there's no father in the picture, there's no mother in the picture, there's a divorce, there's an unstable parent, what could the parent that is stable, that's there, that single mother trying to raise her kids, uh, Alman, Almana trying to raise their kids, but they don't have, like everybody else has, and they're missing, they don't have a person to learn, they don't, they're missing the structure, what's the best thing they could do and from all years of experience to help such people? To me, this is a foreign question, and I'm not trying to be show off but it's a foreign question because we have the system set up. Every child that comes from a home like that has someone taking them to dominating on Shabbos, automatic, and everything's dominating. Others are I have a certain Manali Shiva, that's his job. One of his jobs is to work with all these assignments, all the single parents, right? Let's say they go every other week to the father. The other week they're with the mother. Might say Shabbos every week. Come out, all of our rebellion do that. They pick up kids, but say Shabbos, bring them to others are and, and um, that's automatic. That's, that to me, the question is that you got to set up a system in your school. And you got to go to even now and tell them, let's set it up. A, a, a Yasim shouldn't have something. I walked a kid. I'm the chief honcho of Yeshiva Nachitara, right? I sit in the corner next to the Aaron Kaidish. And I picked up a kid for about five, six years, every single week for Damning. and took him with me to Damning Every single week. Before I came, this is before I became Nachitara, their own minion. And wherever I dive in, they did that. And now, you know me, we pick up kids, you sign, why not? So you got to set up a system. That should never be with a woman that's a single parent, should never, ever be in a massive like that. So what can I do to help them out? Set it up. You, there are a lot of, most people are good. Most people are good nature. They'll gladly help. You need to have someone to organize it, make phone calls to people. What are you talking about? It's an easy thing to do. It's easy, easy. You know, the organizations we have today, Samchenu and links for Yisraelites, and, and, and to the boys at the same system over there. It, it, it's unbelievable today, and sister to sister for the, the divorcees. You know, it, it, this to do today. There's eights to do today. Come on. 
Now to a general question. How do you instill in your children a personal connection with learning? And, and not, not like everybody is learning, so you have to do it. This is what we're doing in class, and you have to, you have to still too. How do we... a, similar, a similar question you asked earlier. How do you, how do you motivate a kid you're asking, right? Why is this different? Um, Coach Blacher, why is this different than the other question? I guess maybe it's more of a Rebbe's point of view. The kid in the class is tuned out. He's not in. A, a good Rebbe, a good Rebbe knows today how to tune in the kids. He really does. There are going to be kids who are schwach, who are problematic. There are kids, I'm not saying, but they, I would say 90% of the kids a good Rebbe could take care of. And really. if the kid feels like a failure, is schwach a boy in the class? Yeah, that, that's a schwer Shiloh. When a kid is a schwach a cup and he gets a lousy mark every week on his test, I return every single test from grade six through 11, right? I return every test paper. How do I do that? It's a massive job. I go around for Tuesdays, about four hours on it, I return every paper. I managed to give a very nice compliment to the kid I know that's working very hard. First, I get to know the kids that way. I know the children that way because I'm giving, returning all the test papers, right? It's like a, it's something that got to work very fast, but I throw in a good word. The Rebbe has to raise the mark of that kid. What's the shadow with that? You can't let a kid get a 43 on a test if the kid doesn't work. The kid doesn't work and puts in no effort. I know there are many schools now that are putting on report cards effort for each mark. Not only effort on the bottom, the overall shkida. A lot of schools are doing that today because you want to show if the kid is gaining effort, give it to him and raise his mark. You got to raise his mark. What's the shiloh? A kid, you, you, if the tests were not made to show the chazayinish, no kid ever walked away when he gave Bechidus in B'nai Brak 60 years ago, 70 years ago, rather. He made sure every kid thought he was the God Ladar. The Baron Leib did that. The, the great Gdali Israel made sure if a kid is shvach, work with him. Now, if the kid is taken very, very shvach week after week, you pull him aside. Let's say he's a seventh grader, right? You're responsible for these, these 10 lines of the Gemara privately, and you mark the paper based on those questions. And that, and that. There's a lot of eights to do, but some people are OCD and has to be the whole paper or nothing. I once had a mice many, many, many years ago, already marked by numbers, the average, the test always. He came to me after four weeks, beginning of the year, said, can I invite this? What should I do? So I took Chaim in my office, I bribed him, whatever I did to him, and he aced every test, the next nine tests. And after 13 tests came the report card, the kid got a 78 in report card. The last nine tests were hundreds. So the kid comes crying to me, what happened? I went to the Rebbe, he says, I made the average. The Rebbe was, pardon me, and Rebbe, you're not seichel. You came to me, we turned the kid around. Most of are not like that today, the Rebbe are wonderful today. This, take those four marks and, and flush them out. Goodbye, Charlie. And now you have only the nine good papers, give him 100 if you want. Our job on Bechinus and on tests is to make the kid think he's great, not that he's a dummy. Do they accept it? Do they accept? That Rebbe didn't, form? no. That Rebbe was already old-time Rebbe. I wasn't going to change him. No, but my question is the child accepts it. Oh, yes. Because, oh, yes. Because... Oh, the kids want to get good marks. Absolutely, yes. You think if the kid that's getting 40s on tests doesn't know he's dumb. He doesn't know he's got problems. He knows. But if you're going to add some numbers, why would it help him? Because he gives him chizik, he can do better. What are you talking about? You make him study on one part of the test. You have to find any way to chizik the kid. Where the kid doesn't want to work and is not working, dafka, I don't care. I don't have to worry about that kid right now. If the kid wants, shows you effort, he wants to do well, work with him. A lot of kids are not happy only if they get um, above 100. There are people like that. And by the way, I went back, I had a murder story last year. There was a boy in the yeshiva that was caught cheating on a test. And it hit me. I spoke to the kid. I said, what happened? You get, you get 90s. My father, he said, I have to get 100. I remember this older brother was the same way. 
So here I had ammunition. I went back to the father privately. It says, Chaim. No, 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 he's not afraid of me. Chaim, your older kid, the same thing happened to him. Now, Chaim denied it, denied it. But you know what? It didn't happen anymore. I don't care. I don't have to win the fight. I'm not interested in winning a fight with a parent. I'm interested that things should change. Things should get better. Things got better for that kid. There are parents that don't know how to control the disappointment. Foolish, foolish, foolish parents. Don't know how to control the disappointment when a kid gets a low mark on a test. Or a 90, a 90 instead of 100. Those parents need a little bit of lessons in parenting. That the child only sees that X. If the Rebbe still gives the X to And don't forget, the X is in red always, in red, in red pen. Rebbe should get rid of the red pens, by the way. I've spoken to Rebbe, and he says, if the child gets um, five out of ten, is, is, is that good? Should I tell him the kid is doing good? No, no, but make a deal with him. You should be responsible for five questions. Work, find an answer. What are you? And also don't use red pens. Why, why do you use red pens to show X's? Rebbe, do we have a lot more questions? Let's go live. What's the next it's one? not my fault. It's your problem. <laughs> 30, I'm off now. Go ahead. Yeah, Shemalechan, how are you? Okay. Hi, I'm, I'm a Rebbe in 4J in, in the mornings, Rabbi Jacobs. I'm a cool Rebbe there. But in, in the afternoons, I teach in Yeshiva in Brooklyn, English, fourth grade. And the thing is, I have a kid in my class. He's a very bright kid, Baruch Hashem, Leon Horror. And Kenan Harim, he's very smart, does his work. He tries his work, but, but he doesn't have Zitzlish, to say the least. He can't sit. That's, that's what it is. So, so the problem is he disrupts class a lot. And plus his father is administrator. So I'm playing in a very thin line. On one hand, I need law and order in the afternoon in my class. I want, I want to have the kids listening and doing, doing instruction. Meanwhile, he's, this kid's playing around. I, I, have a, I have also a discipline system in my class. But this kid really went beyond this beyond the discipline this system. I have to send to the principal, I don't have a choice anymore. And but meanwhile, I can't talk to the father because he's an administrator. So what do I do? You know, I, you know, one thing, nobody on here in this show over here, whatever you would call it, is able to answer individual questions about individual kids. We're talking general. It's a general, it's a, it's, it's, a general it's a picture. Very, Let's see. In, in general. general, if you have a kid that's misbehaving, I would try to, if he's a good boy and he means well, I would find him jobs, send him out of the room. These kids need to get out of the room. They got to get out of the room. They can't sit anymore. They can't sit. You know, most kids can't sit. You know, it, right. it's a miracle that they sit as long as they sit. So I would try to find them jobs, work to do, things that I can give them. Show them if you continue, not in front of the class. In other words, to tell him you're being rewarded when he's not behaving, but privately to tell him if you see he's bouncy, you know, send him out. Send him to go somewhere for five minutes. Take, take, take a breather. Do you ever try that? Do you ever try giving him a breather for five minutes? I'll so I've, more recently, I've sent him on errands here and there. That should help. And no? actually, it helps a little bit. The problem will be if other kids get jealous. That's the problem. Hey, that's that's my, that's exactly the problem. I also right, so want to figure out what do I do with other kids. I also want to go. So the thing you can do is take a break for yourself and send twenty five kids on an errand. It'll be very very good. You can sit there and relax for a few minutes. Now, seriously speaking, you got to find ages for each kid how to do it a little bit. I find letting them out for a few minutes. Um, I don't know. You know, could you sit for a half hour in a class when somebody else is teaching and you hate the class? It's also hard for, for an adult to do that, right? So, but it's individual questions. Right, I got to know the kid. It's very hard. It's really hard to answer that over here. All right, Ben, we have more. Let's go. Next live one. Go. One second, right, Bender. Hi, thank you. Could you hear me? Yeah, I'm crying. Yeah. 
Okay, thank you so much. What would you say when a child um, has no interest in going to school and says, I'm not going to school? Like the fourth grade age. He's just why, not- why, why, why is he not going to school? He's just upset and he's not going to school. He, his, he's doing well, he's learning well. Um, he has friends, he's not the most popular, but he has friends, but he's not going to school. I'm gonna say something that's really, really, most principals will say I'm wrong. And, 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 you know, they're going to have time to somebody for saying this. There are kids like that. There are kids like that. I think you got to be able to make a deal with them. I'll give you a day off today, but you got to go for the next week. You can't take a day off. You have to go. Give but but then off. the other kids start. I, I tried that once, but the other kids start. My like other kids are like, well, In I don't want to. Your own kids at home, you mean? What? Your own children at home? My own, I'm saying my own children, when they hear one child say, I don't want to go to school, then, and if he gets to have a day off, then the other kid says, well, I want a day off too. You know, it depends if they're doing well, the kids, you have to, nothing will explain to the kids. I, as a mother, do things for certain kids different ways. If the other kids are happy in school, for example, we found out now, if the COVID-19, how many kids really love school. When schools reopened, we had a big problem in our neighborhood. They closed us down, right? They closed the whole community. The kids were going crazy. They wanted to go to Shiva. So most kids, I think, will understand that your own children, let's you have four or five kids the same, you know, in elementary school, right? And you gave one of them a day off. So I'm only might give another one a day off. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. It's challenging, but I, I find that works. Davening, we go crazy with our kids. We make them go davening sixth grade now, right? Sixth grade, they got another one a million yeshiva, yeah? Again, I'm not talking about to your question. Uh, but you have kids who have davening issues, right? They got to get up. It's these days, they got to get up before seven and come home at seven o'clock at night. It's really very hard day for kids. Very, very difficult day for kids. Some kids won't get out of bed. I find it works like magic. You want to be off and dabbing today? Fine. You're dabbing Yechid is sixth grader today. I'm not, I'm not happy curious, by the way. You're dabbing at home, nothing will happen, and then the kids will go happily. I think you got to find a way of being nice to him where he'll really be appreciated. Again, I can't deal with all your kids at home. That's your problem, Baruch Hashem, not mine. But 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 uh, seriously, I, I think there's nothing wrong with being nice to the kid, and the kid, kid doesn't want to go to school, whatever the reason is, you want, you want to win the war. You, you lose a battle. Stays on one day. I think that's the best answer you can Sometimes they, they want to break. I think it's a good idea to put in uh, on the calendar a day that they can take off, because if it's in the moment, it's all depends, depends correct, on their moods. I didn't, mean today. Week, I, Tuesday, today, I didn't mean today. Yeah, yeah, correct, yeah, yeah, correct. Okay, Rabbi Ben, are you ready for the next one? I'm going to try. Here we go. Shalom, Rabbi Bender. Thank you for taking your time. Uh, question: A, a six-year-old. You are related to my old Yadid Ribshia, though, can't be. Nephew. Nephew. We grew up together. We grew up together in the mountains in Woodridge, New York. Okay, guys. Okay, six-year-old boy. Uh, it, it's obviously my specific question, but it could be a general question. Sweet, wonderful boy. Good relationship. You know, good relationship recently becoming more irritable and the, when you ask him to do basic you know tasks clean up pick up your lego clean up after yourself it becomes a whole a whole tantrum is it worth it to continue pushing him at this point or is it something that you know wait till he gets older no it's worth doing something you make a deal with him today i'll leave you alone but tomorrow take care of it that's the best way to do it he doesn't clean up today I'm saying today clean up, tomorrow I'll let you not clean up. But that same type of deal as you can make a six-year-old should not be hard. I think you as the father would take him out one day for pizza, right? And and tell him, let's talk and try to figure out what's making him irritable. You can do that. If you make one-on-one -on -one time with kids, 
you can discover a lot of wonderful, wonderful things with kids. You can find that a six-year-old kid should not be hard to reach. Right. But I would, that, push it, I, wouldn't, it, I would not push it too hard. In such a conversation, it, it, the, the answer would be, you're asking me, to, you're asking me too much time, too much stuff to do, too much stuff to do. Sven, you, you, you're, you're okay, right. Okay, let's play it out. You're the kid and I'm the adult, all right? You ready? Okay. So start again. Come on, you're the kid. So what? I'm the kid? Yeah, you're the kid, sure. Your name is Shua, you're a six-year-old. Ask his bedtime, Rabbi Bender. All right, Shua, let's go. Shua, you're six years old. What's wrong, Shua? You're always asking me to do stuff. You're always asking me to do stuff. So much stuff you're making me do. For example, like what? What do what, what I make you do, Shua? Clean up my Lego. Nothing uh, wrong with that. You want to have it tomorrow, the Lego. You're not going to have it tomorrow if you don't clean it up. I'll let mommy sweep it up or throw it out. You want that? Try to reason with them. Try to reason. You don't like the jobs. I hear you. So you know what? Tomorrow I'll give you a day off for doing it. Reason with them. Talk to them. Reason with them. If, if that, okay, so I guess if, if, if there's a tantrum, you can't reason with them, right? No, no, no. Stay away from tantrums. If you stay away from a tantrum, it'll go away. Tantrums go away after, after 10, 15 minutes. You know that, right? Yeah. They, they don't last forever, most kids. Can't panic on a tantrum either. Is it is it a normal a normal thing for a, for a kid that age to to be throwing a tantrum if they if they're asked to do a basic task? It's not normal, but it's it's pretty it's very common. There's normal and common. It's not a normal thing, but it's common. It's commonplace for kids. Kids throw tantrums. Yes. If you ask what kids do, most kids throw tantrums sometime or another. They do. You're the adult. You got to take it. Better kids. My mother, I want to tell you something interesting. Allah Hashem raised us. My mother never, ever hit us once. Rabbi, say, you hear that? Ladies and gentlemen, my mother never, ever laid a finger on us. And believe me, I deserved it. She never, ever laid a finger on us, ever. My father, when he was living, you know, gave us a patch once in a while. My mother raised us, that we were little brothers. No, never hit us. She would say, Yanko, I'm disappointed in you. And somehow she got the message across that we were hurting her. We knew she was an Almana. Maybe that didn't help, okay. But Yanko, I'm disappointed in you. And that really did the trick most of the time, you should know, believe it or not. You can reason with kids. Again, a six-year-old can't reason with but certainly not in the middle of a tantrum. Okay, yes, okay. Okay, Rabbi Bender, we're going to go into a different topic now. Somebody wants to ask the question, but I got a few questions that I have to ask specifically. So I'm going to open them up. Jeremy, you hear me? Jeremy. Yeah, I'm here. Hi, how are you? I'm ask the question because I have to ask it, but you could add on to it. So, Rabbi Bender, it'll go for you about bullying. All my son's friends on the block suddenly decided to bully my son, and he's left very lonely and broken. Although now they are actively not hurting him, he's still left playing alone and sees his friends playing together and leaving him out. How do I deal with my son and lift him up, and how do I deal with the bullies? Jeremy, do you want to add on to that question? Because that's... That, Jeremy looks like you like take an upper right hand uppercut, right? Take care okay, of him. Yeah, Jeremy. That's what Jeremy looks like you'd like to do. It's so funny you said my, my father. It's very interesting. I wasn't going to mention that, but my father trained us that way. I'll mention it as part of my question. I, I was know your father, say, Jeremy. Uh, I know your rabbi. I know your brother very well. Yes, Mark Hashem. Okay, so my six-year-old son, Mark Hashem, started school. School is going very well. We moved to a new neighborhood, and he's uh, bullied in the neighborhood. And then recently on the school bus, again, six years old. So my question is very specific. Um, Oshi asked it in general, so we're going to give you a lot of ammo to go with. But I'm going to ask a specific question. 
if a child wants, if a parent wants to address bullying, how should a parent address it? By speaking to the school, by speaking to the other parents, by speaking to their child, by speaking to the other children. Um, if you had, if you could write a very quick book, what would you tell people? All right, so I, this is a very common problem, obviously. You cannot let your child be bullied. The, the children who get bullied feel so bad. First of all, bully became today all-encompassing word. It used to be years ago fighting, now it's bullying. Okay, but bullying, it's a kid that's getting bullied by other kids, he's suffering daily. If it's mostly a school situation, right, on the bus or in school, then the principal obviously is the answer. But if it's happening in your neighborhood, you got to call the parents. Don't get involved with the children. The kids will take it out on your kid. Do not get involved with the children. But there's nothing wrong with calling parents on the block. You know, most parents are nice, aren't they? I mean, you're a new guy in the neighborhood. Most parents are nice. You tell them if, the, if your parents are not nice, go back to your old neighborhood. But if most parents are nice, then you got to ask them, please help me out. My kid is crying all night long. Most parents, please talk to your kids about it. But they have to have seichel not to tell their kids that you called. In other words, you got to keep you away from the kids. The kid part with you got to be separated. Shouldn't come from you. If it comes out at the end, six years old kid, Mishkiferla. But I think you got to call the other parents. I always advise that. And I would say, come out all the time. Most parents understand. Unless your kid is a mean, terrible child, which I'm sure he's not, unlimited child, these things do straighten out eventually with a little bit of work, not a lot. Kids today are picking on one kid. Tomorrow they're picking on another kid. They have to pick another kid. Kids like to pick on other kids. That's what kids are. So most parents, I'm mentioning about it. They'll help you straighten it out. There's nothing wrong with that. Jeremy, you good? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Okay. Coming back on mute. <laughs> I'm going to throw you off, Jeremy. Okay, <laughs> next question. Am I on? Yes, you are. Okay, question. Um, high school child, um, how much should we expect as far as Tfila goes, even for a high school kid, 10th grader? If let's say, you know, how much you should expect from Tfila where? When he comes home on uh, Shabbos, when his man him. This is yeah. a very, very common question. It's a very, very common question again about the davening. So, so you know, you really want a 14, 15 year old kid to go with you to shul and daven like a mensch. That's what you really want. But some kids still at 14, 15, I'm going to say something now that. They're not holding by it. They're not holding by it. You got to make a little bit of a deal with them. They should daven, let's say, um, they daven until, you know, if they shachmas, they, then you, you look the other way. If they walk out, at least you appear the third. Some kids are not ready to daven yet. Now, of course, we expect them at the age of, there's no shine at the age of 14, 15, you should go to shul and daven like a mensch, and it'll come. But if you force religion down kids' mouth, it's not going to work. It shouldn't happen to a 14, 15 year old kid. And I don't know how you daven. I don't know who you are. I don't know how you daven. It could be sometimes it's a problem with the parents really don't daven that well. If you daven well, the worst kids, I'm thinking at Clarnout, the kids that end up being the worst in davening are the ones with the father sits next to them and continually berates them for not davening well. If you want your kid not to daven well, beat him up. I don't mean beat him physically. Beat him up constantly and tell him he's not davening well. Sit straight, look inside. What are you doing? What are you walking around? Let's think you're you do that, he's done for. He'll hate diving the rest of his life. But if you really dive well yourself and you live and let live a little bit, you got to know how to look the other way a little bit. You got to know how to look the other way. I have Hashem, we have the seven boys behind her. Not all of them are great dominators. You got to learn how not to notice everything. You don't have to notice everything. Pick your fights. If the kid, he should go with you on time to dominate. What do you do with mothers who tell me all the time that the kids don't go on time to dominate? 
and they call about that all the time. They come late. So, you know, let them come a little late. You know what? What will be the end of the roof? You tell them, you know what? Dominic starts at 8.30 is here, right? You know, you'd see, Chaim, I hope you get here by 10 to 9, 5 to 9 at least, okay? Or, or you miss Shachris, Chaim, but next week don't do it. You know, not, davening is, a, is the most difficult thing to teach kids how to daven. Don't berate them, don't get down on them, but eventually they'll daven. Eventually they'll daven. I think they will. Not all kids are going to be as perfect in davening as the other kids are going to be in. So do you expect them to daven well? Yes. So that was the question. How much teacher do you expect? But uh, if he doesn't, you got to find an eighth of making it more palatable and don't notice every Avera. The kids whose fathers notice every Avera by davening, they don't want to go to shul. They don't go to shul. And there are kids, by the way, another problem that there is with Ben Asmanim. It's a big problem. If it comes Ben Asmanim, they finally let it out. They're in the out-of-town yeshiva. They got to march like, you know, a certain way all the time. When they come home, boom, they're sleeping until 12 o'clock every day. And the mothers go crazy, right? The fathers go crazy. What's his mind? Kriyashman, Mantula. They're in yeshiva, whatever. I don't say names yeshiva. Chashvi yeshivas. They come, I'm telling you, chashvi yeshivas. And they come home and they sleep till 11 o'clock, 11.30. And the father goes crazy. The mother goes crazy, right? Let me make an example. You have a that's daughter. why I sent them to yeshiva. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. To if you have a daughter who's, who's 13, 14 years old, what time she get up on Shabbos? 11 45. 10 o'clock. 11, 12, 10, 12 o'clock, they're getting out of bed. You want to go eat? They're watching Nagelbasa. The girls have it that way, but during the week, they work hard. They get up early. The boy has the same heritage. He can't do it because the boy has to be seven days a week. The girl works on, uh, the girls are much more studious, we know that. The girls are much, much more studious. We understand that, okay? But the girl has a lot outlet. Shabbos morning, Sunday morning, they don't, they in bed, who knows when? You know, it's wonderful. The boy, he's tired. He's pressed the whole year long. He never enjoyed dabbing. It's a problem. You got to make sure he enjoys dabbing. Okay. Thank All you. Right, here you go. The next one. Laura. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, thank you for making this amazing program. Um, I guess it's a specific question, but it can be uh, made more general. I have a four-year-old daughter, she's my oldest, and she asks a lot of very, um, I guess, deep hashkafa kinds of questions that I could tell worry her. Um, a lot of Hashem questions, why does he do this? Why does he do that? Why do Gaim do this? Why do he do this? Like, and I have a million e examples of this. So my question is, she's only four, so I know she's really very young to intellectually understand the answers. So. Am I supposed to address them, or should I just kind of, you know? Uh, I think you should tell them not to worry. I don't know what the questions are. You know, I don't know what the questions are. But a four-year-old asking questions like that, mm -mm. okay, a little bit hard. I, I, she's anxious, clearly anxious girl, and and you got to tell you got to de-anxiety de her a little bit, de-anxiety her. I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're an anxious person. Your husband's anxious person. Normally, anxiety runs in families. When parents are anxious, kids are anxious. This kid is an anxious child. You got to make everything light, light. Don't worry about it. Hashem loves you. Kids have an image in their heads. Hashem is, I'm sorry, I got to say this. He's this big, bad man looking to punish everybody. That's a kid's thing. Right. Hashem loves you. He doesn't want you to be unhappy or sad. Hashem loves you. Why do bad things happen sometimes? We don't know the answers. But it's very important to start right at the basic fundamental. A kid should have a hergish that Hashem loves them. I think that's a very, very important thing. Right. They shouldn't think that Hashem hates them. And a uh -huh. four-year-old, if complains about something, buy her a slice of pizza. <laughs> so I don't have to. I don't have to worry that like absolutely not. But coming from sure anxiety for whatever it is in her life, not necessarily her hashkafa, because she's no, obviously you too trying to make her less anxious, less anxious. Right. She's an anxious girl. She shouldn't be anxious. But so she's just channeling it in her like sophisticated correct, correct. speech. But it's not really yeah. that. I once had a mother years ago that complained bitterly about a kedus yitzchak. 
is right again. You know, I hear the argument. It's if, if the rabbis and teacher came this Yitzchak, that Avram took his sword to chop Yitzchak's head off, etc., etc., etc. Kids are going to have a bad example. You have to teach Akeda. The Rebbe that teaches this last week's parasha, parasha Shavua, last week's parasha, needs tremendous sensitivity and sensitivity on a Rebbe and, 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 and a motorist part. Tremendous sensitivity. We we want our kids to grow up normal, not anxious. So if they ask you questions, don't worry about nothing. Don't worry, Hashem loves you. Let's move on. Right, she said, like, do you not like all these questions? Is it okay that I ask these questions? Because she knows she has a lot to say. Let her ask. Let her ask. Let her I ask. said the questions are put great. Her at ease. I have an answer, but put her at ease. What? Let her ask, but put her at ease. Hey, Rabbi, are you ready for the next one? We have a lot more people coming in now. Yes, sir. Okay, somebody was about to ask. They just they, they probably got disconnected. But I actually have another question I want to get to. Okay, it's a general question. I'm sure a lot of people have it at different ages, but let, let, let's use a 11 year old, for example. When a child starts telling you, tell a child, put away your dishes, come home at nine o'clock, and the child just flat out tells you no and doesn't listen. What's the mahal for the parent? You know, you tell me young kids today. Okay, 11 year olds are teenagers, you know, really teenagers. It's a girl, right? A girl, right? Make it a girl, we can make it a boy if it makes a difference. 11 year old kids don't say no, they go have to play ball. They, 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 you know, girls are much more, um, you know, much more intense. Um, I said, as a girls and boys of that age, 11, 12 year olds, they change, right? They're very dramatically. No, 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 let's talk about a 13, 14 year old. Let's move it up a little bit. Right. You got to sit with, again, I, I hold you have to try everything with goodness. You have to try with everybody a little bit, you know, in a good eifin. You have to try as best you can to try to figure out why the kid is saying no. You have to get to the bottom of it. There are times for therapy, by the way. You know, therapists today are very good. The, a lot of young therapists in Lakewood and Borough Park and Flatbush, there are a lot of young people out there that can really help you. Some kids need it. Um, you know, this six-year-old kid, Mrs. Rosen's, whatever, Mrs. DeBar or something, we asked the question before, about a four-year-old kid, this kid might need therapy eventually. If, he, if she sticks to our questions constantly, there's something scaring her. I want the interesting story for a minute, okay? I'll go back to the old kid in a minute. You know, I have, I had a machine of fear of sudden death. I talk, I talk to my father at night, 10.30 at night, Tonight, I talked to him, wow, it's 11 o'clock now, 10.30 at night. I went to sleep 11 o'clock because in Philadelphia, you went to sleep when you were told to go to sleep. And I got up in the morning, which little guys woke me up, and my father is dead. I had to get volatile fear of sudden death. My older sister, Reb Chaim Epstein's wife, when she was sick, at one point that happened, we all happened to be around the bed, with six children all together, and we all figured out that we all have a fear of sudden death we didn't know. And I spoke to a psychologist in Lakewood, a terrific one, Mrs. Kozlov, but she's a terrific lady. I, she comes to Leaks, so Leaks, she has to the with, the, with, with, with her daughter, the graduate of of mine. I spoke to her, she told me, and I really should go to her. She told me in three weeks' time, she could clear up. I, I'm not going to go to lady psychologist at this stage of my life, but I'm just saying she could have cleared up that even for me. It would have been very good if somebody had told me after I turned 15, well, I'm not going to talk to my mother about those things, right? Uh, that you can clear it up. There's nothing wrong. Your father died suddenly. Of course, you have a fear of death. You know, but you got to get someone had to get me to open up and talk about it, and get my sisters plural to open up and my brothers to open up. We all have the same fear of sudden death. So nothing wrong with therapy. Sometimes, if this four-year-old who asks a lot of questions about Hashem and so on, by the time she's seven or eight, you may need some therapy. So nothing wrong. A kid says no, I won't do. Why is he spiting his parents? Father said do something. Mother said do right. There's something going on. You got to get to the bottom of it. A kid shouldn't say no. The kids can come back tomorrow for $2 in the morning to buy a soda, right? 
the kid doesn't want to doesn't want to be told if you say no to me, I'm not combining you. So nothing wrong with the father saying that. You gotta find out what's the root cause of the problem. Sorry, Ben, we have more live. Okay, you're on. Hi. Okay, great. So the question is that you've done everything to create um, a value of Menchelkite in your home, and your kid is the one calling the other kid the idiot. So the parent calls you, the baby calls you, and they say your kid is, quote unquote, the bully. So how do you address it with your child? Your kid is being mean. He's being the, quote unquote, bully. You have to punish the child. There is Chayavayinish in this world. You have to punish the child. I don't know how, how you punish your children, but if, a kid, if your kid is being mean, there's no excuse for that whatsoever. You're hurting somebody. There's nothing wrong with drilling them. Chumash Barashas, by the way, there's so many examples of Midoy, Sefer Ayasha. I would use the Parsha. You can't let your kid get away being, I got a bad call. You, you're the bully. Now the other kids start up with me. But it happens too many times. There's 10 kids in the class that say you're starting up with them. At home, you're doing it to your own brothers and sisters. There's nothing wrong with punishing them. How do you punish? I'm not getting into that tonight. Everybody got to do the punishment side of work for themselves. But you got to punish a child. You can't let a kid be mean. Rabbi, there, next one. Okay, you're on. I'm waiting. <laughs> wait one second. Okay, we'll go back to that person. Okay, somebody just texted this question. Um, Reverend Bender, let's talk about a little bit about your school. You have the extracurriculums, right? Can you explain to some people? Because, like, you know, a lot of people in Lakewood or other places have a small school and it's very, you know, it is what it is and you fit into that little box. Can you explain a little bit about, I mean, I don't talk about Darche, but just in general, how your school works with the extracurriculum with. What? We, have, we have a strong resource center for the Shvachi kids. Okay. It needs a lot of people. I think one of out of four boys, five would need to have help. That's extracurricular. I think you have to have programs, we said before, for the kids with single parent homes. You have to have that. You have to have availability for them to play ball. It's very important that kids get exercise and get out and play ball. It's very, very important. Very important they should have recess. That's not extracurricular. That's a normal thing. Um, in the high school, we have woodworking for them, for the kids who can't learn right. well. Kids at home in high school have a real great vocational program. That's the biggest bracha. The SD one day, I should be all the cigar. The extracurricular. You know what we have it now? It's so good the vocational program that a lot of the Aleph plus kids want to take the program. That's great, which I always wanted. I don't want the kids to think that are dummies. Right now, let's say in the carpentry shop, right, where the kids are building all kinds of great things, that kids will become exquisite carpenters. I'm making a lot of money. I have a kid who's an eighth grade senior psychiatrist twice a week. He's today a plumber with four kids, Hashem. And he's, he's robbing everybody. He comes to the house and charges $100 to say hello. You know, as a plumber, like anybody on the plumber, he's making a quarter million dollars a year right now. Let me rob you. I'm joking around that. He led plumbing in yeshiva. I have a lot of kids. You know, yeah, didn't you see, by the way, a lot of the shuls in COVID brought in this big plastic thing by the Valkyrie on one side of the plastic and, and the and the, uh, the guy got the Ali on the other side. You saw it in a lot of shuls, though? Yes, yes. I'm talking about it came on wheels. This was made by one of the kids in our, in our, in our, in our he made it. He made a company, he made a fortune. It's not a big thing that he invented this thing. It comes on wheels, a bar, right, with a plastic. He made it. He figured out extracurricular. You've got to give high school kids extracurricular. You can't put them all in the same cookie cutter. So the vocational program is the biggest thing we have. Tremendous. This year, we're teaching how to become a chef culinary. And, you know, they make, you know, you know a good chef makes the name. 
A lot of money. Now they have to learn. They come and yeah, say black white shirt in the morning. They go to class and they learn. They got to learn and learn secular studies at night. The night say that, but we're giving them something they can have their outlet. If they're an extracurricular, that's Givaldic. Resource room is very, very important. Let a kid have his outlet. The kid who gets those 40s we spoke about before, let him be, let him excel in some area. Why not? Come on. What do you do with the Olive Plus, uh, Olive Boys? You let them? First of all, we finish Masechtis and we give tremendous prize of finishing Masechtis. And we offer, by the way, but the Shrachi kids finish Megillah and Titus. I would say last year we had a big door file. The big year was always Kedushin. We have 300 boys in high school, right? We would have had 220, 230 boys finishing Kedushin, and then COVID-19 came, you know, right at the Purim, so that was a big clap, you know, but but we try to give those kids who can't finish classes where they learn other Masechtis. They got the same feeling. This Maharavna, by the way, program is spectacular. Maharavna program is being run, you know, by uh, Rabbi uh, uh, Newman. It's a marvelous program. I mean, where the kids finish in Masechta and so on and so forth. Um, I think for the girls, they should make sewing classes for the girls. You know, we're not even talking about girls tonight. We're talking about boys all night tonight. Girls are a different world. But you know what a girl feels like when she doesn't do well in school? Girls are studious. When a girl doesn't do well in school, come on, they feel terrible. There should be programs for them. There should be programs, 100%. Let's go back to more live questions. We have so many lined up over here. Let's see how many more we could do. You're on. Y.E. Yes, I, um, I'm a doctor parent, Yosef Angelson. I think we're sure it's time for our... I can't um, talk a little louder. I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. What? I mean, Joseph Angelson, my doctor parent. I think the Rosh Hashiva is taking the time. Okay. Um, I have a question about what to say to a child when a child says that his friends are doing something and the parents um, do not agree. And he feels, he says that he feels left out. Um, and even and he's even shepherd that um, the kids say, well, your parents don't let, you know, your child do X, Y, or Z. Is he the only kid in the class like that? No, but his friends do things that... Um, Nothing ever happened to a child if he says, I'll check her a little bit, they'll go away eventually. Nothing ever happened to a child with a parent says, left out. So he's feeling bad and left out that he can't join in whatever they're doing. Again, see what? I could do well. He, I said the child feels left out. So if it's a minor thing, leave it alone. I mean, there's nothing wrong. You have to stand up for your principles. You have to. You have to stand up for your principles in your home, what you want. I mean, we didn't let our kids go to certain homes till today. My grand, my grandchildren are not allowed to go to certain homes. And, you know, they, they feel left out too bad. I mean, uh, it's not really a problem. There were boys, we, we went on Zoom in Yeshiva last year, right? And there were parents who didn't want Zoom in their houses, right? And the kids felt like they didn't have it. I, I admired those parents. They didn't let them happen. They still do. Nothing happened to the kid. Nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. They chaper a little bit. Yeah, if it's ongoing chaper, somebody complained before that, that kids are being mean in the neighborhood and so on. Different story altogether. It's not the end of the world. If you tell the kid, we don't do it, I'm sorry. Um, you know, if he, especially if he's a young kid. How old is your child? 11. Yeah, this kid for not, not the end of the world. Yeah, but he if wants to not... get together and, you know, they're doing something or they're doing consistently. It doesn't have to be, it's not if even something that's that's not major, to be a safety. I don't know. If it's something that's not major, maybe it shouldn't have so many rules. I don't know. Safety, for example, you know, kids in the summer, especially, you know, they're riding bikes in the street. Certain parents are not comfortable with that. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. This is simple stuff. Why did you want to let your kid ride a bike in the street? Why not? Because it's dangerous. Yes. 
So you have to make sure they ride your direction. They can drive in the streets. Most kids are allowed to ride in the street today when, when they're 12, 13 years old. I, I mean, 11? 11 years old also. I, I, I think most of them ride in the street today. So I, was going, I, wanna, I don't want to go too much. I'm trying to be careful with, uh, you know, avoiding kids. I almost almost hit because they weren't being cautious. So my question, next question is going to be to you, what are the things that he's doing that you don't want him to do? I don't know if you can stop a kid from riding a bike. You know, well, I'm a that, it's, it's even anything, you know, it could be anything else that, you know. But yeah, I want to say, so I'm a very good pachter. You know, video games, you know, Xbox, or whatever, maybe. Xbox? Yes. No, yeah, it's rules. That's rules. We don't allow Xbox in the house. What's wrong with that? Yeah, it's interesting. If it's a bicycle riding, maybe you got to get over your own anxiety. If it's a bicycle riding thing, maybe you should let the kid ride a bicycle. You know, I don't want to be held responsible, Chaz Shalom. And I'm a scary cat. I really am. I tell the I live on a dead end block. And I, kids come to my house across the street. I tell them, be careful how you cross, be careful how you cross. There's no cause here. You know, I, I, I worry. But I don't want to let the kids affect my kids' worries. Hey, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi, I have a question over here. It's like a follow up a little bit on this, but I have a lot of live questions. So I'm going to try to cover as much as possible if you have time. Okay? 11.30, you said, right? Whatever the, whatever I've says, you're in charge. Quit while you're ahead. It's the cloud gun. Quit while you're ahead. You're the principal. I'm just I'm just listening. 11:30. We're moving on. I gotta learn Mishtai is my father. Go ahead, dude. Okay, okay. So let's let's just get to, okay. So so follow-up question on this. Can you please ask about finding out about your 12-year-old son using an e-cigarette with his next door neighbor who's 14 years old and he's a very close friend of his? Do I come down harder on him or I just make believe I don't see it? But the biggest problem is I feel he's sneaking behind my back. The biggest problem is what? He feels that he's doing it and sneaking behind his back. I think you have to tell him he can't do it. Is certain things you gotta stick with the other way. I think on an e-cig, absolutely not. You cannot do it with Shemayfim. Pick your fight, but that's a fight to pick. 100%. Depends what they are. I don't think they are. If a kid is not diving that well, be careful. But if a kid is uh, using an e-cig, goodbye, Charlie. Okay, let's try to take two more live questions, then we'll go to the closing. Okay, Rabbi, Rabbi Bender? Shimon, you're on. Yeah. If you discipline the child, you mechanic the child, and, uh, you know, through anger, but and then you regret it, and you want to apologize, but you want to keep the message there. How do you do that? Do you do that? And how do you do it? You don't have to. If, if he was wrong, you don't have to apologize. But if he brought out the anger, our job is to bring out the best in our kids, right? That's our job. A rabbi, a teacher, a parent, bring out the best in kids. If we're going to continue to bring out the worst in kids, then you should apologize. Now, the idea is really to bring out the best. So if a kid has an anger issue, needs to have help. Anger will not go away so fast. You, know, you can't just open up themselves to Sharm, Sharakai. You can't just do that. It won't work. Uh, it might need, you might need a little bit of help. It could be a little bit of help. But what's if the parent, the parent did it out of anger? Then you apologize. Father, of, course. of course you apologize. How do you, but, but you want to keep the message there. You want to apologize, but you want and to make sure. Angry next, don't, don't, it's your fault. Don't get angry next time. I'm sorry. I, I, I think that you. Our biggest problem is what was the problem? We were she with kids and we got rabbits to slap us around. They had a fight with if I had a fight with his wife and they beat us up. If there's nothing wrong if a rabbi, if rabbi would say Hindi Mukhan Bazuma, the kind of Khabanim or father, that's fine. But if out of anger, you have a problem. You should have gotten angry. You can't get angry with your kid. You, you're the adult. Rabbi, the one more live question, then we'll go to the closing if that's okay. I want to I want to finish on Bazman. Hello, Sam? Yes, yes, hi. The final live question. My question is, my question is, I have a three-year-old and he doesn't want to go to sleep. Yes, keep him coming out from the crib. What should I do? <laughs> coming out from the room. 
They have your own business. Your own business. They have give it to your wife. I want to tell you a story. When I was one time, my wife had to go out of the house. And um, to me, the women are the heroes. They really are. I think we men underestimate what the women do for us on a daily basis. Some of us found out during COVID-19 because we were home from work, et cetera, et cetera. We found out a little bit. I say this story all the time. My wife is a gewaldig mechanecha. She's terrific. She's superb. She raised my kids. I had nothing to do with it, really. I mean, I was a good guy, but I was nothing to do with it, really. So, so one time when David was eight, my she was six, Avram was four, and Tzvi was two. Tzvi's manal today, bro, you don't like it. They're four kids, and my wife, she didn't trust me, my wife. She gave me a list of each kid when they go to bed and what they eat, exactly what they like to eat. And I had to follow those directions exactly. And I know my wife is coming home, and I better do the right thing. And I follow directions, but when I have to get him into bed, forget about it. Yes, Sam, I couldn't get him into bed. No way, no how, no way. Finally, at one point, at 7.30, 8 o'clock, I said to my kids, if you don't get into bed, I'm telling mommy on you. And then I said, oi, what did I just say? You know what? They went scuttling into bed. You know, they have a system, the ladies. Stay out of it. No, the same is not for you getting your kid into bed. You, you're going to spoil them rotten if you put them into bed. Bender, you just asked, you answered a question somebody else asked me. Somebody else, he said, he knows all your children. He said, each one is a gem. What's Rabbi Bender's tricks? So I said, yeah, no, they're not the gems. I'll give them, tell the guy to call me now. They're okay, but sure. at this stage in life, maybe, you know, they get older. They have jobs, they have wives, they have kids. We are in horror. Let's go to closing, Rabbi Bender. I'll just say uh, closing words of Rabbi Bender. I know you want to finish on time. First, I want to thank Rabbi Yaakov Bender for coming on tonight. Be Mechazek. There was literally hundreds and hundreds of people here, Rabbi Bender, and thousands. There was, we went over 500, so it's fine. Thousands of people watch it, and it was tremendous physic. I feel like we again we, we touched on a lot. There's so many more questions that we didn't get to. So, Rabbi Bender, I know I'll, you're, I'll you're, come back. I really will. I'll come back one day. 2021, you available? Yeah, you're very funny. <laughs> I think 2020 is such a bad year. I heard, no, people, are changing, I heard people are changing their addresses. That's 2020. They're changing, they're changing their license plates. Let's give her a look. Okay, tonight again, shows I learned to learn from my father in law, Tobio Ben Rabbi. What was your father's name, Rabbi Bender? David Ben Arav, David Ben Arav Avram. David Ben Arav Avram, a big aliyah for being the Chazak. So many people tonight. The Shalom should have a tremendous aliyah from this. Again, uh, next week we can have an amazing program. Rabbi Tzvi Gluck from Abu Dhabi come on, discuss some uh, mature topics. It's going to be an amazing. He's a good man. Topic. He's a very good man. He's an amazing person. I, I spent not much an hour, two hours with him on the phone. And uh, I'm Baruch not really so involved in it, but it, to hear what's going on, just the awareness is, is very, very important for people to know. Uh, a lot of things are changing also. A lot of laws are changing now. New Jersey laws are changing. And um, we really have to know what's going on out there and have to know what kids have access to and how to deal with it. And uh, he's an amazing person. And when people that I told is coming on, I got texts from, he, the guy saved my life, people text me. So again, I'm please tell everybody about it and please come on next week. Again, everything is recorded tonight. It'll be available on menachembernfeld.com. If you have any questions, please email coachmenachem at gmail. Rabbi Bender will forward you all thousands of emails. Rabbi Bender will answer every single one within five minutes. I'm just joking. Uh, tonight's share, share number 27. It's all going to be recorded. If you want to listen to it on the phone, the phone number is 732-924-8464. Again, a special thank you for all the advertising people, Lakewood Scoop, Kazakh, CEO Alive, and a special thank you to Kyla Kaufman and Shmuel Summer from JCN. Coach Menachem, closing words. Wow, thank you very much, Baruch Hashem. A lot of information, a lot of questions. And thank you again for your time. And hopefully we'll finish but um, I just want to mention that a lot of what we discussed is obviously very logical and um, it makes sense when you hear it. But when it actually comes to the Misa, it doesn't plan out the same way, you know? Like we're all human and we have our own things sure, to work sure, on. Correct, correct. Yeah, I always mention By this. By the today. way, we didn't tell you one thing still, it does work. Still, it does work. The women diving, they, they, they're diving somehow, it reaches up there, really. 
Tefillah does work. You're right. It's not easy. I gave answers that are logical. Yeah, yeah no, hundred percent. I just have to leave the oilam with uh, to understand that these are steps and avada. They are courses and there are books and something you have to learn. And if you feel you have to do it right away, you have to tell your kid right away. Probably it's coming from an emotional thing inside of you. If you can wait a few minutes and see how to do it, but again, it's work. But it's good to to know what we're um, what the goal is. And, uh, you know, the main thing is to have the connection. And like I mentioned last time, to be able to listen to the child. You want the child to talk. You want him to open up. And we are very solution-oriented. The, right. the child comes with a problem. We say, okay, so do this. You have a cut, take a Band-Aid. What's the big deal? We have solutions for everything. But when, if you're coming with a solution, sometimes we miss the boat. Because they need a little bit of the connection to be able to open up. So this is the avoider. So we heard a lot tonight. And Hashem should help. Every one of us, we should be able to, with tefillah avada, before we do anything, every day in the morning, we say a tefillah. We should be matzliach in our avoda, in the chinach, and we should see siyata d'shmaya. I say the shalas tefillah, everybody's busy, Arab shvuz, right? Before shvuz, Arab shkadishivan. I say it twice a week. It, it works for me. I say it twice a week, up to Sundays and Tuesdays. That's what I chose to say it. It's a wonderful tefillah. Yes, Hashem, to help you raise your kids. That's the answer. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, Bender. My real pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, really, really, thank you again. Kultuv, Kultuv. Kultuv.